And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. It's time to talk money. And a bloke who always makes sense and makes even more dollars, Luke Smith from Envision Financial. Good afternoon. How are we? We good? I think I'm pretty good. How about you? Yeah, look, it's an interesting day. We've got a new puppy. The kids are over the moon, so what else could go? <laughs> well, no, you're, you're doing well. The kids are happy and there's a new puppy. I mean, that's light and joy in the household. I'm, I'm pretty sure everything's uh, going well. We're, we're going to talk about uh, investment today, and in particular, the difference between active and passive investment. Now, Luke, I've always thought that if I buy my BHP shares today, expecting to sell them tomorrow for a profit, that's active investing. But if I just buy my BHP shares today and wait for the dividends to roll in, that's passive investment. Am I close to the mark? Um, your perception of that, yes, you're right on the mark. Another way of considering it is, the way that the underlying investments are managed and transacted within your portfolio. So when we break down an investment style or the way that a fund manager could assist in the investment of your monies, be it in your own name, be it in a super fund, there are two ways that a portfolio can be administered. The first one is through active management, where you would look to hold um, specific managed funds who are specialist managers in certain areas and we engage them in a portfolio to be able to provide expertise that we may or may not have in certain sectors of the market. They're actively trying to achieve outperformance relevant to their index or benchmark of comparison. So we're really leaning on them to be specialists in certain areas and making sure that for the money that we're paying them, which is represented in the ICR or the internal cost ratio, we're getting a specific outcome for the style of management that they provide. So they provide a a function inside a portfolio. And the flip side of that is an index or a passive ETF, which is far less reactive to the market. And it is more of a buy and hold, as you said. It's a long-term position that gives us an exposure to a certain portion of the market as part of our broader asset allocation or our diversification. They're generally a lot cheaper than active managers because they're not providing that same level of turnover. However, we do still benefit from dividend payments, income distributions, as well as franking credits where they're invested in the Australian equity market. So it's a bit like having a fast car and then a car that just cruises along on the (laughs) way to the same destination. Well, when you're talking about the fast car, which is the active management option it's it's certainly fast when things are going well but sometimes the active managers don't always get it right do they and that's when the fast car crashes so there's a higher level of risk in that is in that sense isn't there um I, I think there's a same level of risk the important thing as we said in previous shows is that you look under the hood and you understand what the underlying investments of the particular managers are and an example of that is you could hold an Australian equity fund that will invest 80 to 85% of its broader portfolio in the ASX 200 biggest companies. And there might be 10 or 15% where they can provide alpha or outperformance through their skill set or their knowledge and their ability to deal with information quickly. In the same vein, we could hold an ASX 200 ETF. Now, that is just a replication of the assets in the ASX 200. 
So we're not having the ability to achieve that outperformance through a portion of the broader portfolio being invested with the manager's discretion. So you can, you can invest in the same type of assets. It's more the approach and the proactive nature of what a fund manager can do for you in certain sectors that people can consider as part of their portfolio. Yeah. So what we're talking about here is two different styles of investment fund. One is the actively managed fund where you've got highly qualified professional people analysing the various different investments and pretty much attempting to pick investments that are going to outperform the market. And uh, if they're any good at what they do, then hopefully they'll get it right more often than they get it wrong. The other alternative is the the index fund or the uh, uh, exchange-traded fund, which is basically a replication of, as you said, the ASX 200, or maybe it tracks some other index. And uh, there's no way you're going to outperform the index because it's basically following the index. But it's it means that uh, you've got a certain degree of uh, you've got a degree of certainty about what that investment is going to do, don't you? That's right, and I think this is is really a case of not so much saying is it this or is it that. It's about blending them together and identifying certain funds that will give you a specific outcome. Some people may want a fund that generates a high level of franking credits within their pension account. Now, an active manager would have the ability to do that, provided that that's the type of fund that you can use in your portfolio. In a similar vein, somebody might want to have a specific exposure to high-yielding investments and you pay a little bit more through the use of an active manager to be able to proactively change assets in a portfolio to get you an increased level of income from the underlying asset in your portfolio. So it's really about tailoring what you're trying to achieve across your broader super fund or your broader trust and then using these two different investment styles. One, to keep costs nice and low and get some really good broad diversification, as we said with the index-based holdings, or using an active manager to be able to target certain things that you want inside your personal portfolio where you may not be able to get it through an index or you may want to have more control over the underlying assets depending on what's available. So when we're comparing a managed fund with an index fund, um, obviously it's the, the main point of difference is that one is actively managed to pursue certain aims, the other is tracking mm-hmm. an index. But are there other differences as well in the way they're structured or in the outcomes that you might achieve? Yeah, there are some, some, some differences in that. Obviously the cost is, is a consideration for people when you're going to an active manager you want to use an active manager in areas of differentiation. And some of those could be uh, the small cap sector or the alternative sector where uh, you have new products coming to market that may not have been researched by the broader collective. So control of information in certain sectors is better than others. In a widely efficient or, or a market that's deemed to be widely efficient, which, for example, could be the Australian equity sector or the international sector, it may pay to have a passive index there because information does travel very quickly in this day and age. So information and access to information doesn't necessarily ensure that you're going to achieve that performance. So it's about structuring things um, that suit you, looking at the costs. An ETF that, that replicates an index will be a lot cheaper than an active manager. Also looking at the underlying investments. A big point of differentiation when it comes to things like fixed interest is looking at the proportion of 
assets that are coming from certain areas. Because in, in the equity sector, if we say, right, give me the top 20 companies in Australia, when it comes to equities, we're talking CBA, CSL, big, large, well-run, strong balance sheet companies. If we look at the same ETF philosophy in the fixed interest sector, you may end up having a larger proportion of the portfolio issued by companies that have poorer credit ratings or weaker economies. So we can't assume that an ETF will give us that active benefit in all sectors. We need to look at the underlying investments of what we're going to buy because the rate of return from an Australian bond will be far different to that of an Italian or Greek bond. As much as we love going there for holidays, <laughs> we don't necessarily want to hold their debt because a greater rate of return can mean uh, a greater level of risk within the portfolio. So we need to look under the hood because they are structured differently and that's, that's very, very important for people to consider. Yeah, and when we're thinking about the, uh, the makeup of what's in our superannuation fund, can you have a bit of both, a bit of a managed fund and a bit of an index fund? Mm-hmm. Look, very much so. I think you know, that's, that's what people should take from today. It's not a case of this over that or this one in the place of that one. It's about looking at your broader asset allocation and then really starting to use both options to get a suitable level of diversification in your portfolio, manage the amount of risk that you're willing to take on, and then use an active manager in certain sectors where they can provide outperformance or achieve a specific goal or objective within your portfolio. And some of those, as we touched on, could be income, franking, a specific individual sector, um, and experience in an up-and-coming or an emerging market. So there's a place for both in most portfolios. The important thing people need to remember is if they're in a very basic fund, you're not going to have these options. You'll be stuck with the generic options of growth, balanced, high growth, conservative that may be provided. So you need to look at the fund that you're with and say, hey, does this give me the ability to maintain well-diversified, cost-effective options in an index, or can I buy a specialised healthcare fund or a specialised technology fund inside the superannuation that I choose to be with. And that comes down to the investment menu or the approved product list of an individual super account. Yeah. And when we're talking about index funds, we're not necessarily confined to the ASX 200. There's all different ones, aren't there? Oh, look, 100%. The the index nature of investment and the use of ETFs to get to those indices has ballooned you know, in, in the trillions over the last 10 to 15 years. So you can really now go out and, and pick an ETF that will give you an exposure to an index in just about anything, um, provided that there is a market for it and somebody's willing to create a product, which is an ETF, um, to be able to give you the exposure that you're after. So it, it's very much a case of not just sticking to your vanilla options. You can really make some of these ETFs as sexy as you want them to be, <laughs> um, depending on your underlying risk profile. Yeah. So what should people consider when we're looking at our passive and active options? So the first thing I'll be looking at is where am I going to use them? And as I touched on, you want to be using your passive exposures for good general diversification. Um, For smaller balances, if you want to get an exposure to a very big index, then um, buying an ETF that gives you, as we said before, the ASX 200, the ASX 300, or the S&P 500, an ETF's a good way to get an exposure to a sector with a very small starting amount. That can be very advantageous. You'd also think about 
what is the fund doing in my portfolio? Having five ETFs that all hold the same assets isn't diversification. So you might have an active exposure for income or for franking credits or for an individual sector like, for example, healthcare. And then you might have some passive exposures to give you the broader indices that will give you diversification and a consistent return over time. So putting them together and, and targeting certain areas is a good way to do it. If you want to keep your costs low, look at incorporating the index or ETF options because they are generally far cheaper than the active managers. You also want to have a look at the historical performance. It's very easy at the moment to look at a portfolio and go, oh, wow, look what happened in the last 12 months. But we need to remember the capital base that we've come off in light of COVID. So look at three and five years of history. Don't just look at what's happened in the last 12 months because it gives a very skewed view of a normalised return in the current environment. Yeah. And the other thing about ETFs, of course, is that uh, it doesn't necessarily restrict you to Australian equities. You can buy ETFs that uh, give you exposure mm. to the NASDAQ, for example, or, or other foreign equities. Mm. Yeah, correct. That's right. As I say, that, that market has exploded. So there are a number of large providers uh, in Australia that you can get an ETF on just about anything. You could go into... Greek debt, Italian debt if you want. <laughs> you can go into emerging markets, you can go into healthcare, tech, and then your broader indices as well. So, you know, it's really a case of finding what you want in your portfolio, checking that your current provider allows you to use them. If you don't get the options that you're after, look to roll your superannuation to a fund that has a much wider investment menu and then take advantage of, of that approved product list and get the assets in that you that you want to hold over the longer term because you may like lithium. You may think that Tesla is the future and I want to hold lithium shares. Well, let me find an ETF that invests in that sector. That's a good example of a passive option as well as what could be an active option. It's more about what you want and then finding the right structured product to be able to get the outcome that you're after. Okay, so it appears then that there's pretty much an option for everyone. Very much so, and, and I guess that's that's the point that I'd like people to take away today is don't just think that traditional managed funds are the way to go and also don't assume that ETFs are the only way to go. I think having a, a proactive approach to your blending and your diversification will put you in a very good position over the medium to longer term, and it's a very good way for younger people to get an exposure with smaller amounts of money through the use of an ETF or an index fund because they don't have to go out and allocate $1,000 to Google and $1,000 to Microsoft, they can buy an index that will give them an exposure to all of those underlying investments as they build up their wealth and their proficiency when it comes to picking assets. So, Luke, what are the things to consider when we're looking at active and passive investments? So, what I would consider is really, what do I want from the underlying investment? What am I trying to achieve in relation to using a fund manager over an ETF? I'd also then look to try and say, can I get what I want from either option and what are the relevant costs? So you can look at the benefits in relation to the outperformance achieved to date by an active manager and also then the returns compared to an ETF or an index in the same sector. Um, the ICR or the internal cost ratio will be very different. So look at those in relation to their individual expense because keeping your cost down can be beneficial over the longer term. Try and use an active manager for small cap and alternative investments because historical information and, and proof sort of indicates that those are two sectors where you can get a lot from the active manager. The other thing to keep in mind is 
there isn't a lot in relation to the ETF or index options for alternatives. So it's, it's a little bit harder to get that diversification through a, an ETF in that sector. I'd look and see what your investment options are in relation to your fund. Whilst you may want to do this, it may not be a viable option or something that's on the approved product list for your respective super fund. So check your approved product list and see what you can and can't do. And if your options are very limited, then look to try and go to another fund where you can have a greater degree of control over the assets within your portfolio. And remember at all times, invest within your risk profile. Don't buy things just because your mates have them. <laughs> yes, that's always a worry, isn't it? Uh, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence mm-hmm. and, all, and all of those other proverbs. Uh, and again, of course, uh, it, the, I guess the bottom line that we're talking about today is it's not necessarily one or the other, is it? It's it, quite, quite possibly you might be best suited to uh, look at a mix of both. Very much so, and, and, and I guess I can't stress that enough. This isn't all or nothing. Um, it's very much about blending and, and getting the diversification that you're after in line with your risk profile and using the tools that are available to you. And that's why I'm a, I'm a big advocate of a fund that has a really broad investment list because you may be missing out on opportunities that you don't even know about through a very limited um, menu of options with the fund that you're with. So you know, use them in conjunction with each other um, and build out a portfolio that's right for you whilst getting the benefits of active and also passive and underpinning the total cost of the portfolio at, at a very cost-effective level. And indeed, of course, it is an avenue to uh, get yourself into markets that might be otherwise difficult to get into. For example, uh, investing in offshore equities, the easy way to do it is through exchange-traded funds. That's right. You can get a very good level of diversification with a very small entry, um, and it's, it's not something that you need to have a huge amount of capital to undertake. And a, and a good personal super fund will provide you with a huge range of diversified options and many, many, many ETFs that you can use as part of their investment venue. So just check what's available with your fund and use what's right for you at your stage of life. And as we always say, don't drive the car too fast. If you do 90 to 10 in a, in a 100 zone, you'll generally be okay. So, Luke, where can listeners get more information? Yep, so 02-6260-4749. We're still open. The office isn't open, but we're still trading like normal, so we're very fortunate in that regard. Envisionfinancial.com.au, you can go to the Knowledge Centre and you can read up on ETFs and active management. We've also got the podcast, The Strategy Stack of Luke Talks Money, on iTunes and Spotify, and you can subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's Envision Financial Canberra, and we've got all of the key takeouts of the show. You can watch it on your iPhone and you don't need to read anything, which I'm finding is, is a big plus for listeners. Absolutely. So, uh, yes, the office is closed, but, yes, people will answer the phone if you want to call. Luke, we'll catch up with you again next Friday at about the same time. See you next Friday. Thanks very much, Luke Smith from Envision Financial, and we'll catch up again on Friday next week to talk money once again.